Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Many of us are already planning our New Year's resolutions to work out more in 2023. But let's face it, they rarely stick. Well, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, cycling shoes, heart rate monitors, and more with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. Don't wait. Get this offer before it ends on December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. This is your operating system talking. Not your computers or your phones, but your internal human operating system. I'm feeling a little overloaded. Here's how you can ease my stress. Close your eyes or softly gaze at something in front of you. Now inhale for four counts, exhale for six. Keep repeating. <sighs> Much better. Longer term, there's BetterHelp Online Therapy. They'll match us with a licensed therapist we can connect with via video, phone, or chat. Visit betterhelp.com positive and save 10% on our first month. Hello, my main main Kenny Maine. How are you doing? What's up, buddy? I am doing well. We just did a little promotion recording. Now we're gonna do you. If you hit Where'd another button, we can see you, but we can't. Oh, go. okay. Hang on a second. Ah, there we go. Okay. You should be hip to all this. There we go. All right, my guest this time is someone I've never met. Rex Chapman, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Kenny I don't think main, we, my, my main main. I don't know that we ever have. I mean, person. maybe, maybe we were at some like event. Draft. Yeah, I mean, it might have happened, and we don't even know that it happened. Yeah. Obviously, I knew who you were, you know, because I did sports and you played basketball, and uh, and then I think where our real association, which I would argue we became friends just through Twitter DMs, essentially, right? Yeah, uh, we were very like-minded with regard mm-hmm. to what's going on in the United States of America. Um, so happy to have you on. I'm happy, happy to, to be go here, through bud. the life and times of Rex Chapman. <laughs> so you're in Brooklyn because you were going to do a show for CNN plus like my friend, yes. Jamel Hill, Kerry champion. And then that, that thing just went away, right? Like it started and it stopped almost in the same week. Yeah. Uh, I'd been working on it for like well, three or four months and had a few episodes put out really enjoying it. Um, and then just, <laughs> I'm so new to all of the kind of this side of the media that I didn't really understand what was going on. They said, well, the platform's gone. I was like, what's that mean? It said, no more work. <laughs> you know, I'm under contract for, for a while, but it was a really empty feeling and not, you know, I was going to be fine, but all the, 
the hundreds and hundreds of people who left jobs, you know, all over the country, the producers, the camera folks, everybody that left, you know, their own job to go do this. That's the, that's the real part that sucks for, for, for uh, a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I think, like you said, you're, you're not that new to it, but I mean, you're new to being right. on the inside of the game where all the, all the inner workings and all the politics and, right. and the finance, everything. So has it quickly opened up something different? Like, okay, that didn't happen, but now I'm already in position. I'm already down the road for these things I think I want to accomplish. So it almost gave you a kickstart into whatever that next thing is. It, yeah, it really did. And I can't talk about it today, uh, but there's a couple of well, things. Well, that's bullshit because that, we no, brought I can't. on the show specifically. I know, I know. In okay. fact, I reached out to the one who – it. maybe I can come back on when we announce it. <laughs> uh, you have something but, going, but you can't yeah, talk about it Yeah, I've got something yet. going that's actually done, and I'm actually already working on it. just hasn't been announced yet, and it's super fun, super fun. Um, and then a the couple other things kind of – in the pipeline. So all good, man. I'm, I'm just, uh, Hey, I'm, I'm honest to goodness. I'm thrilled every day that I don't wake up chasing pain pills. <laughs> I did that for so long and there's not a day that goes by that I just kind of thought my whole life would be that at some point. So, Hey, uh, it's all, it's all, uh, downhill from here. Yeah. Or, or, <laughs> or even, yeah, or not even. downhill okay. in the sense you're going down. I know what you're saying. Easier yeah. to go downhill than walk uphill. Mm -hmm. Um, you kind of led me where I was about to go that okay. you, you are one of those guys who celebrates each day, right? Like, I mean, we all should, but given the experience you went through and we'll get into that, like waking up, like, Hey, I get to do some fun shit today. Yeah. You know, that's kind of tricky for me. I've, I've never, I think that you know, I, I've suffered from depression probably since I was a teenager. Um, and I, I've had to learn to appreciate yeah, <laughs> just little things. I think that I, you know, kind of ran from myself from a long, for a long time. Um, you know, I played basketball. That's the only thing I did. It's the only thing I wanted to do. I didn't care about anything else, not school, not anything else. So, I, uh, I, I'm at this point, I'm super grateful. I, I'm super grateful to be here. Um, you know, shit, I was eight, seven, eight years ago, Kenny, I was toxic. I mean, toxic people didn't, my, my phone didn't ring. So uh, yes, I'm super grateful at this point. You know, we share something in common. Uh, fortunately for me, I didn't take it as far as you did. I got, I ruined my ankle oh, at UNLV man. playing football and I was eating what was it called hydrocodone, I think. So oh, it wasn't yeah. like the crazy like high level. It was the, yeah. the mid-range level of those kind of pain pills. And I, there's no question that I was recreationally using them, even though I did have a fucked up ankle. And I always right. had that, ex like, yeah, I need them. Look at my ankle. It's, I'm ready to cut it right. off. But I literally quit cold turkey when I got this device for my ankle about five years ago. Like, I just wow. don't need them. I don't want them. Um, I was never like, you know, 15 a day, but it was like, it was how, how hard was it for you? Um, it's weird, but it, it was such a miracle that I got this device, which we then started a foundation to give them to veterans. Wow. It was almost like I'd be cheating what I was doing if I went back to it. <laughs> right. Like I, yeah. I kind of looked at it morally. Like, I don't need that shit. It's like, it's they, and the thing is they, they stop working anyway. Yeah. They you do. know, it's like any other thing that you, I need one more. I need one, you know, and it's like, how many, you know, could you possibly take to get whatever that thing is you wanted in your case, 
and you've been very forthright about this. I don't yeah. feel bashful bringing it up, no, honestly, because no, no. it's a success story for those who are still struggling. Look at this guy. He fucking hit bottom. I mean, you got into criminal behavior, right? Like, yeah, yeah. In the way you want to tell the story, tell your story. What? Why did yeah. you even go to them? Why did you get trapped in it? I, uh, you know, I didn't drink. I wasn't a drinker. I didn't drink in college. Probably didn't have my first drink till I was 22. So I, I just, I just didn't drink. All my friends drank, smoked, you know, I played in the league for 12 years. Um, I just didn't, it, I, I didn't feel like I could play and do that. I just didn't. Uh, so near the end of my career, I had seven, I had like seven surgeries, my last three years playing. And the last one, uh, I was kind of, done my body was done my last year and right before the playoffs i ruptured uh my appendix almost ruptured i had to go to the hospital had an appendectomy emergency appendectomy and i'm out the rest of the season and i know i'm probably not going to play anymore i get back home and a doctor as i'm getting off the plane hands me a prescription for oxycontin uh you know for pain for my appendix and I go, he said, oh, you know, and I'd had, like you said, hydrocodone, Vicodin, Percocet, the, the kind of the <laughs> middle rung opioids um, that used to be the most powerful thing you could get, right? Lord tabs. Um, and so I'd had those through surgeries before, but I'd already always gotten off of them because I needed to know exactly how my body felt, right. you know? So for whatever reason, I, I, got that my appendix didn't hurt that bad but it, it hurt so i filled the thing i had a prescription i had a prescription for like three a day for 30 days and these were 10 milligram oxycontin and no shit kenny within two days two and a half three days i felt like okay this is this i am not i'm not socially uh worried about anything anymore i'm not people don't i don't worry if people have recognized me i don't you know if people come up that and, and they just want to talk basketball which is something that's always just sort of freaked me out I, if i don't know them i'm you know at the time i'm 32 33 all of that went away people were coming up to me at my son's t-ball game that i you know kind of would maybe avoid they'd come up and before i knew it the game was over we'd sat there and talked the whole game I felt like it made me smarter, funnier, better dad, better husband, all of that. And within, you know, I knew that within days, I liked that medicine. Before long, uh, it, it, it was it was not long before the medicine was telling me to take it. You know, it wasn't my decision anymore. My head would start hurting, and I I just. Long story short, ish, eighteen months go by, or so. And I'm, I'm taking probably, well, I'm taking about 40 Vicodin a day and about 10 Oxycontin a day. And I'm just chewing them, you know, to get them in my bloodstream quicker. It tastes like shit. But the thing about the, the Oxycontin is, man, if you chew that up, um, it, 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 you know, it busts the time release thing that's supposed to make it so genius and you get it all at once. And, uh, it's, I don't know. I've been in rehab three times. I don't know what heroin feels like because I, I just never, I guess I hadn't gotten that far down yet. 
I was arrested and fortunately I got into rehab. And uh, so, uh, but I was taking eight, eight so much. And Danny Ainge in 2001 came to me and said, Hey man, you're messing your life up. Look at you, look at the decisions you're making. You got to go to rehab. I went to rehab. And at that point I was taking that much. I got off, got out of rehab but I still had like a pit in my stomach that I felt like was withdrawal. And for six, eight months, I, I had this sort of pit. If I went to the movie theater, I would sit with a pillow on my lap. I would take a pillow from home. I, nothing felt comfortable. And I had to get us, I had to have a surgery on my wrist. I had the surgery, had a screw uh, removed from my wrist and I, of course, I should have told the doctor, you know, hey, I don't need, I should be taking me pain medication. Uh, I didn't. Um, he gave me some Vicodin and uh, I took the Vicodin, took uh, a Vicodin, pain went away immediately in my stomach. So now I'm back on the Vicodin. I go back to rehab. I get out of rehab. They put me on Suboxone, supposed to wean you off of, <laughs> of uh, opioids. And I stayed on Suboxone for like 10 years. At, I've, now, at this point, I've gone through a divorce uh, of 20. We were married 20 years, four children. Uh, my ex-wife is great. Kids are all great. Uh, but we'd gone through a divorce and my, I, get, I gamble, Kenny. I, I, I didn't drink. I didn't uh, smoke. I, I gambled. I played horses my whole life. I could read a racing form before I could read a newspaper. We have my dad, thing in common. Right. Yeah. We do. We know that. Uh, but I, uh, you know, I, I grew up at Ellis park, um, and which was 40 minutes from my Ellis home. Park. Long acres yeah. here. Out near yeah. Side. Okay. Yeah. I've been to long acres. I used to, I would, when you'd, when you'd visit when the I Sonics, go, when I would go, there you go, yes, sir. And, and I did that everywhere. So you're overusing I, drugs and over gambling at once. Yo, yeah. Yeah. And it just got, you know, once I didn't, I, I was just, I was lost, you know, and, and completely lost. I, of course you can look back and see, dude, you're gambling 20 grand a day. And, um, okay. We stopped. Nuts. We don't have that in common. I was, yeah. Well, yeah. But you had a bigger okay. bankroll. You played in the NBA. Right. It's relative. I guess it's, it's insane. But, um, so I was, just, and I was miserable, I guess, I, I, and not really understanding why I was. Then my, uh, apparently my money went away and I'm in an Apple store and it's Christmas time. And I see all this uh, stuff out there and I apparently take some Apple merchandise and to pawn it so I can go gamble and get more money for my drug app. Damn. Um, and what so year is that? That's 2000 and probably happened in 2013 ish. Uh, but this was 2014 was when I was arrested. Um, it was right. It was uh, eight years ago yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I saw it yeah. on I saw right. it on Twitter. Every, right. A lot of people celebrated with you. Yeah. Like, OK, you fucked up. Things were bad. But where are you now? Right. So, um, yeah, so I went to rehab and that was really hard. It was the first time I ever really took it seriously. But the really messed up thing, Kenny, was when I was in rehab, 
I detox, which is horrible. It's seven, six or seven, eight days of just throwing up and hot and cold and in your underwear, you've got clothes on, you're hot. You, you, it's, it's as bad as it's, it's bad. And you're just sort of delirious. Uh, and, but when I got off of that uh, and got everything out of my system, I'm starting to like go to class, you know, in rehab and, uh, you know, meet with therapists and, and whatnot. My stomach started hurting so bad that um, it was it was just it was constant. And at, to where they ended up having to call an ambulance, they had to take me to the hospital. They, uh, uh, you know, scanned me, blood tests, all that come to find out I've got ulcers from the opioids that have likely been there since all the Oxycontin in mm. 2001, but the opioids cause ulcers, but they also mask the pain of the ulcers. Right. They, they put me on uh, ulcer medication. And in two days I felt like a brand new person. Like I didn't have what I thought my whole life, my last 14, 15 years was withdrawal. And I just, I still, I get kind of get mad that no doctor ever during that time was like, maybe you have ulcers. You've had, you know, you've been eating pain medicine for fucking years. So anyway, once I got off of that, um, it's been, it's, it's not been, you know, easy sailing, but it's been much, much easier. When did you, after that experience you just described, was it a month later, two months later, whatever time period, and you're like, I kind of feel okay again. I don't need that shit. And I'm putting back Oof. together some of my personal stuff. Want to ask about your relationship with your kids during that time. Yeah. You said you got divorced. How much acrimony was there through all that? It was hard. My wife, my ex-wife and I, I, I had all kinds of misguided uh anger and resentment toward her and almost all of it was was uh, my fault and my doing but I couldn't see that um we weren't in a very good place you know my kids were we had still had two three teenagers each um so that was that was extremely hard and I was broke broke dead broke I left rehab and went to um John Lucas, you know, John, yeah. uh, John Lucas. Um, I went out to John. He's got a sort of a rehabilitation program. Yeah, For those who don't know, famous yes. in the NBA, had his own addiction issues, overcame them, and has been sort of a leader trying to get other people off. Right. Uh, number one player in, drafted and also two-time NCAA tennis champ. Oh, how about that? That's not bad. Not bad. I, I'm um, sorry. I, I kind of like confused you with nine questions at once. That's okay. What did you do? Because it sounds like, mm -hmm. and you're very diplomatic about it, like, hey, it was me, not her, even though you got divorced. Oh, yeah. What did you do to make amends? Like, did you did you go one by one with each of the family members and say, look, I messed up. I'm back now. Oh, I want to be okay. that guy that I could have been the whole time. Got you. Um, I, I think that that's just been a process. My kids were great. They, they really were. 
um, my ex-wife was great. Even, you know, I, I didn't have, when I got arrested, I didn't have anybody's phone number. You know, I didn't know anybody's phone number. We used to know people's phone. I didn't know any. Only one I knew was hers. And I hadn't talked to her, like physically talked to her in six months, maybe just stupid. And we're, we've got our kids going back and forth every day. And we're not. So you were still parenting. You were still showing up. Oh yeah. Yes. You just weren't very capable because you were in this. I was, I was, I, I was there all the time. I just wasn't there. Right. You know, so, um, mentally and not really understanding what was going on with me and what I, I I don't know how to explain it other than it's just an insanity. Right. Um, so I, I, yeah, my kids have been great. I felt like the best thing for me to do was just to continue to do right and try to rebuild. You know, I, I was still trying to put them through college and everything I, every, I was, I started back, you know, just working kids out. Um, you know, there was no media opportunities for me. There was no basketball opportunities for me. I was working middle school and high school kids out in Houston, uh, in Los Angeles, did that for a couple of years. Um, and just, I think the process of showing my kids that, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm continuing to do right. I'm continuing to do the next right thing. That's been, you know, I, I just felt like I could show them better than talk to them. And of course I've had the conversations with them where I've, you know, I break down and they break mm-hmm. down and it's, you know, it's hard, but it's, it's life. And I'm, you know, I'm still not with my ex-wife. It's still a process. I still haven't said the things to her that I probably, well, that I need to say, you know, some things. Well, I think, some people listening who don't know your story, hearing the way you're saying it, maybe you're not saying all the right words, <laughs> but you're characterizing it in the way that, right, is contrite. Yeah. Like, I hope I don't. Do you, <laughs> do you have any malice toward that first doctor that gave you unnecessarily, it seems, over, I do. over drugged you? I do. And here's why I, I, I won't say his name, but I, this has been a, a whole ordeal, this whole, uh, Purdue Pharma and Oxycontin thing. Yeah, yeah. That, you bring that them doctor, off the Sacklers. Yeah. And yeah. That doctor, um, he prescribed me that drug for six, eight months, you know, before I could, it, before it became a, I, I couldn't get enough, right? I, and so I had to start going to a dealer. But he prescribed me this, this medicine. A couple years ago, people were allowed to file these uh, lawsuits against Purdue Pharma. And so I did that. Um, we start going back to get records of pharmacies. Well, Purdue Pharma, Osco bought Walgreens and Purdue Pharma was involved. And you can't get, you can't even get your prescription history from 20 years ago. Now, hmm. all of my stuff is scrubbed. <laughs> how, how crazy is that? It's almost it's just, like cell phone records after an insurrection. yeah god but that's that part of it's maddening and so at one point my lawyer called this doctor and he denied all of it he denied ever giving me any prescriptions and that that just how i don't he must know that we we can't access the records or he there's no way he would lie about it but is there somebody out there you mentioned john lucas but that was kind of later during your roughest times when 
right. You were kind of written out. A lot of people like probably avoided you and maybe see you at an event and kind of walk the other way. Like you probably got the cold shoulder, but was there somebody that kind of like stuck with you? Like, dude, you mentioned Danny Ainge. Was there somebody that was kind of like oh, your yeah. go-to rock? Yeah. Um, I, I think I had so much guilt and shame, still do, but at the time that, you know, people I could have leaned on, I didn't, uh, you know, friends from, I, I was so embarrassed and ashamed that for whatever reason, it was easier for me to, uh, I don't know exactly how to put it. it my, I had two really good friends that I, they're guys that really helped me. You know, I lived when I'm, I didn't have any place to live. I could have gone to Phoenix. I didn't have any money to get an apartment, nothing like that. It wasn't like, so I was down, man. So I went to Los Angeles, a good friend of mine named Mark Verge, who lives in Los Angeles, um, uh, best friends with Doug O'Neill, uh, thoroughbred trainer. Trainer. Yes. Um, those guys, I went out there, Mark Verge put me up in his place for six, eight months. Um, I was getting myself together, healthy out, walking. You know, I, I weighed, I played probably weighed 185, 190 when I played. I'm about 200 or so now. Uh, I was 260 when I got into oh. rehab. And my body was bad. My, my mental space was bad. But I went out. I lived in Mark's place for that long. A good buddy of mine around that time, Josh Hopkins, actor, who I'm sure you, you yeah. know somewhat. Josh uh, uh, has a place in Sherman Oaks. He was and getting ready. The, you do a podcast with him, correct? I do. Yep. He's one of my besties. So, uh, But Josh was getting ready to go do a movie in Prague. And wanted somebody to stay in his house. So I went and stayed in his house for a year, all this time. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm really not working other than, um, you know, working out kids and trying to get back. And, and around that time, a guy from, or, or I'd been out there for a couple of years. And so going into like 2016, the fall of 2016, I believe a guy from uh, a guy named Paul Archie, who, I love to death. He called me. He runs the uh, the media arm of Kentucky basket or Kentucky sport, uh, Kentucky media. It's JMI owned. And Paul used to be with Major League Baseball. He runs JMI now. He called me and said, "Hey, do you want to come back and do Kentucky basketball radio? Love to." And I didn't. I would have. I probably would have paid them to <laughs> allow me to do that. So I went back, I lived with my sister for six or eight months. I was doing these games and uh, loving it, um, paid a hundred bucks. I felt good about myself. You know, I felt much better than I'd felt uh, at any time in my life, just kind of understanding what some of my problems were and starting to work through those. Yeah, it sounds like you had a lot of allies at the time where you, where you needed them. Mm. It, well, your description, believe me, I'm looking at the clock. We spent almost a half hour, and I didn't <laughs> – I wasn't ever going to try to drag you through, but there's so much detail. Yeah, and sorry. Who knows? No, 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 not asking okay. for apology. I'm saying I'm sorry 
there's a bunch of other subjects. Oh, I don't that care, one man. is so heavy and so crucial and critical that you overcame it, that it's worth all the time. It, your description kind of reminds me of that old joke when very rich man went broke and somebody said, how did you, how did all the money go away? And, and I think the answer is like slowly at first, then all at once. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, <laughs> exactly. No, third- it just happens. Yeah. A good little story that, that from rehab, I got into rehab and, you know, I'm still down, but I'm off the medicine and I'm supposed to be doing like some homework stuff in, you know, during the time I'm supposed to be doing that. And this guy named Clyde, a big brother named Clyde, uh, works at the rehab place. Diehard Carolina basketball fan. We have bonded over this for a few days now. Uh, Clyde comes in my room and sometimes he might be cleaning stuff. Sometimes he might be checking on a, a patient. And Clyde comes in my room and I'm just in my bed. I'm laying on my bed, just half asleep. And, and he comes in and starts looking under my bed looking behind the curtain and finally i'm like what are you what are you doing and he said looking for some humility in here Hmm. and i i sat up in my bed and i started cracking up like i he, he completely blindsided me and at that moment i just went oh okay now now we're talking was so he, he right? Was he right? To be right. For of it? course, he was looking for it. He knew that there had to be some in in that room somewhere. It wasn't where I was, <laughs> but he pointed that out. And at that point, I was like, "Yeah, man, come on, you got to do the work. You got to if you really are trying to do this, you got to you got to pay attention." This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This is your operating system talking. Not your computers or your phones, but your internal human operating system. I'm feeling a little overloaded. Here's how you can ease my stress. Close your eyes or softly gaze at something in front of you. Now inhale for four counts, exhale for six. Keep repeating. (sighs) Much better. 
Longer term, there's BetterHelp Online Therapy. They'll match us with a licensed therapist we can connect with via video, phone, or chat. Visit BetterHelp.com slash positive and save 10% on our first month. What's going on, everyone? Elliot Shore Parks here to talk to you about the latest podcast from Odyssey, the best football show. What is it? Every day, latest rumors, latest buzz around the league, latest from college football, all the latest scores, the latest takes, the best takes, everything you come to expect from the excellent Odyssey NFL coverage every day in your podcast feed at 6 a.m. So make sure you start every day with the best football show on the Odyssey app or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Looking for a holiday dining experience to remember? Look no further. Alexander Steakhouse is now booking reservations this holiday season. Look forward to handmade pastas at our newest restaurant in San Francisco, Afici. Enjoy your menu favorites at our various locations across the Bay Area or give the gift of something sweet from Alexander's Patisserie or 165 this holiday season. Alexander Steakhouse is perfect for a special occasion or culinary adventure. Visit our website at alexandersteakhouse.com to book your reservation today. How crazy is it to look at the new NBA money? Is there any, like, I got a feeling some of the guys have to be like, wait a minute, I'm better than that guy. And he just sent a max deal for this much, you know, and I know it's relative. The dollars worth different and all that, but it really, God love them. You know, the league's making money and they have the money to spend. I don't begrudge anybody making whatever they make in any field, but it is crazy. It's, it's crazy, but I remember signing a deal uh my second deal in like uh uh 1990 91 for uh it was for 10 million $2 a year and i remember doing that and thinking back to like 6 years prior 5 years prior to that when moses malone signed the same kind of deal wow and i and i went <laughs> Come on, this is this is absurd. Well, you know? remember when Irvin Johnson signed twenty million, One, twenty million, twenty five for twenty five years, right? And we thought that was preposterous. Preposterous, right? Now yeah. that's like a low hitting middle infielder on a baseball. You know, yeah. So I guess I, no, I don't. Time changed the money. The money yeah. changed. The TV changed, and the, hey. and it's there to have. And the NBA of of all the sports franchises, I believe, maybe it's because I'm biased, but um, really treat their players well. Uh, The NBA was, there were programs that were accessible to me when I was down that I didn't know about, that the NBA called me up and said, hey, you know, you can can qualify for some grants uh, here and there that the NBA, so, and every time, you know, there's a new CBA, We've, we've got all, I've got full, I didn't have health insurance forever, Kenny. I've got health insurance now. All former players, health insurance. All of our kids, health insurance till they're 26. And then they can get on the same plan and, and pay a little bit less. Wow. So uh, it, it's, it, hey, it, nobody should be complaining about the money that, that people are making these days. I don't think. When did you know that you were any good at basketball? Were, were you one of those like phenom kids at eight, nine, or did you develop later? I was a phenom. <laughs> <laughs> I it was all I did. I could play. I, I, uh, because I don't, not to interrupt, but there yeah. were a lot of kids in grade school where I'm from in fifth or sixth grade. You're like, Oh, this guy's playing major league baseball and he doesn't even play in high school. You know, yeah. they didn't some let kids me play. Are, 
Some yeah, kids they, are good early and late. And apparently that's they didn't doing. they didn't let me play with the kids my in my grade for right. um I, I mean like not even my grade or a grade ahead. I played like in sixth grade, I was playing on the freshman team. And you know, in in third grade, I was playing on the sixth grade team. Uh so I, I was but it's all I did. I loved it. I would leave school. My dad coached uh he coached Jeff Jones, who was a point guard for Ralph Sampson uh, at Virginia. And I grew up watching Jeff. Jeff was my idol. And so I would leave school and uh, get a ride down to my dad's, uh, to Apollo, where I ended up going to high school, um, to watch his team. I'd do my homework real fast and watch his team's practice. Yeah. And I think I, you know, I probably learned how to just emulating the guys, uh, learn how to dribble behind my back before I knew it was hard. So by the time, you know, it was easy. Also, it was Kentucky. I probably yeah. never played against anybody that, that was better than I was until, you know, I went out of state to some tournament. Um, when did you start getting attention from colleges? Um, so my freshman year in high school, I was five, seven, five, eight, and, you know, hadn't reached puberty, nothing. Uh, I played every game on the freshman team, every game on the JV team, and every varsity game. Um, I had two, two of my best friends to this day, Jeff Sanford and Greg Bond. They're freshmen with me. They started as freshmen on the varsity team. They played no JV, no fresh, no, no freshman basketball. I came off the bench. I probably averaged about 10 points a game, though. I could, you know, I could slip it in the basket even, you know, as a, you know, scrawny little kid. Three months later, I was 6'3". Wow. So, and um, my... And my back was all messed up and my knees, but my athleticism, I was always quick enough, but my athleticism was starting to kind of come into play where I could jump up over the top and play over the top of people. And um, so yeah, sophomore year. And shoot. You, and you were shoot. known as a shooter. You know, I, sure. I could get hot. I could get well, hot. I wasn't a real shooter. At, how about ever, when you probably. How about when you got to the college level, was there any – not fear, but you know, like trepid, like oh, this is Division One A. This is different. My dad coached Division Two basketball uh, my whole or from time I was ten to in our hometown. If at any time he would have said, "Do you want to come play for me?" I'd have gone play for it. Like until I was around fifteen or sixteen, I'd have been like that was a dream. I just wanted to get my, I just wanted to get a scholarship. I didn't see an NBA game until I played in one. We didn't have, it, it wasn't a dream. I wanted to get a scholarship. So my sophomore year, I averaged probably 20 points a game and was a good player. Junior year, I it felt like uh, playing against children uh, uh, for the most part, junior and senior year of high school. But my dad had let me know, even through all the recruiting and everything, he had me very, very well wired to understand that college was going to be different. And you know, at Kentucky, I was not promised any playing time, some other things maybe, but not playing time. I went there and conditioning kicked my fucking ass. Weight room kicked my ass. And there were days I was playing against James Blackman and Ed Davender and Winston Bennett and those guys. And, you know, I would get tired after three points in the game. And they, they're, they're in, they were grown men, you know, they were 22, 23. And, it was kicking my ass. There were days I left practice and I was like, I, I don't know if I can play anywhere. 
then practice started and I knew how to play basketball and I could make a post feed. I could do all the things that, you know, maybe some of the other guys didn't, didn't do. Once we started playing, I was surprised at, um, it, it was easier than I thought. And that was hard. It was, it was still hard. I was learning how to play defense, you know, uh, <laughs> learning how to play not only on one end, but learning how to, so that the conditioning part of it was hard. By the time I was, I played on team USA that summer, at that point, I felt very confident that I could play with anybody. Well, that was uh, enough confidence, even at that level to then know once I got to the, the big league, the NBA, like I I'm, I can play with these guys. Yeah, you know that it was eye opening. I I got invited to the trials. I didn't I, I didn't even know the trial. I didn't know. I, I was a freshman. I was the only freshman that was invited to. Or Jr. and I, Jr. Reed and I were invited for the the trials. And you know, I end up Denny Crum, who I snubbed. I told Denny I was coming to Louisville. I and then we beat Denny and them by like 30, 35 my freshman year. He's the coach of the USA team, of the Pan Am team. Hmm. He picked me. He picked me. I started for him. was like the third leading scorer on the team. Uh, but it was me, Danny Manning, David Robinson, um, Pooh Richardson. That's a good crew. Um, it's a good crew. Um, but at that point, I, you know, I knew at least as far as college, there weren't, there weren't guys better than that um, that, that I was going to face. I played against Vernon Maxwell. Vernon was great. Oh, um, was tough. You know, he was tough. But, you know, I knew I could play with the best players at that point. Most people, you know, never get to that, right? Yeah. Never get to pro football, whatever. I played college quarterback. I was second string, not a big star. But I still miss the thrill of doing the stuff I used to, like just playing catch even. I, I find people to play catch because I still love throwing a football. And is that what you miss most? Not, not that you got your name in the paper, but yeah. – you, you know were out there Kenny, playing the game you love with the highest level players. You, you make a great point, and I probably should have mentioned it. And I'm, you, I usually do mention this when I go speak to groups and whatnot. When I finished playing at 32, my body was beaten up. Um, the one thing, you, you know, you re, you know that you're going to – well, you think you're going to – you hear people saying, oh, I really missed the game and all that. My body was beat up. I kind of felt like I did wasn't getting the joy out of it like I was. Uh, once before <laughs> what you don't realize yes you miss the bus rides you miss the, that that's all a huge the, the camaraderie yes also I've been playing since I was six and at least once a day or twice a day maybe five times that day I did something on the court to rip the heart out of you know whether it's on the playground made a game winner bullied somebody you get a thrill from that you definitely get a thrill when you make shots or game winner and the crowd goes crazy. That's a real feeling that it's hard to really describe to anyone, but you definitely become addicted to that feeling. And when I quit playing, you, I had no idea that that would be something I missed. It's also something I didn't even realize I missed till like six years ago. Right. Like I, once that, and you're going to look to fill that some way. And if you don't have a productive way to fill that, um, it can be pretty lonely and pretty rough. So my wife has this favorite chair she sits in and 
the what we call the ladies' tea room. It's it's an inside joke. Um, and she's always typing over there. So I'm like, hey, are you writing a book? This is must this is gonna be fascinating when it gets published. Nope. Turns out she's just ordering stuff on the internet, and she does that quite a bit. And sometimes I'm like, do we really need that? And she says yes. I'm like, whatever. But in this case, when I find out that she's been ordering a certain thing called Sakara, I'm like, you keep typing over there, girl. Because when Sakara shows up, good stuff has arrived at our front door. This year, why don't you give yourself a gift at the holidays? You'll feel good all season with healthy and nutritious meals that taste amazing. Your health is truly the greatest gift of all. Sakara is a wellness company that makes thoughtfully curated meals and supplements to be your source for a feel-better holiday. Sakara's collection of wellness tools are designed with organic, functional ingredients to help you feel and look your best from holiday parties to New Year's wellness rituals. Right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash heymain. That's sakara, S-A-K-A-R-A, dot com. Com is spelled C-O-M, slash heymain, H-E-Y-M-A-Y-N-E, to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash heymain. I think you guys know me well enough that by now you realize if I'm invited to one of those so-called business casual events, no one ever knows how to dress for those. I'm not showing up in slacks and a nice shirt and a blue blazer. I just, it's not happening. I don't even own a blue blazer, firstly. Now, I'm not saying other people can't do that and look good, but not me. I'm not doing that. So I've adopted this new thing. I'm going to wear nice pants and a nice t-shirt. And everybody's just going to have to relate to that. And so far, it's worked. I'm going to a business casual event real soon. And I can't wait for my Viore t-shirt to arrive. I ordered two of them because I feel like I'm going to pull it off. And they were described as the kind of t-shirts that I would like to have. In fact, you can also use it you know, to work out, but I'm wearing it to the business casual event. Viore isn't your typical workout gear. People over there offer a new perspective on performance apparel. It's 100% offsetting its carbon footprint. If you're into purchasing things that are already selling well, the best selling products are the men's core short, one short for every sport, and the men's Sunday performance jogger. You can lounge in it or jog in it. It's, it's your life. They got shorts, they got all sorts of stuff, but I just want the t-shirts and two of them are on my way and I'm wearing one of them to this business casual event and everybody's just going to have to cope. Viore, I'm told, is an investment in your happiness. Now for our listeners, we got a 20% off on your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash main. Spell it for you. That's V-U-O-R-I dot C-O-M slash M-A-Y-N-E. Not only will you receive 20% off the first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Not that you're going to return anything. Go to viore.com slash main and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Your presence on Twitter in particular would suggest both honesty and humility, I would argue, because I don't know if you started this way. Was it? intentional or did it just happen that you were kind of like celebrating all right i'm i'm back on my feet again and i'm going to put out a lot of stuff that's kind of joyful i mean trump had come in yeah you and i are in we are aligned <laughs> with regard to that but you would just put out and you always said the humanity or you know mm-hmm. try kindness so you had these little catches yeah. that would celebrate just a beautiful moment like fucking people be nice to each other we got so much division and so much acrimony and you'd put out just like this really cool 30 second or a minute video of two elephants saving another elephant out of a pond or whatever, you know, it could be anything, but it was, it really was beautiful. Some of them were like 
you know, tearjerkers or, or yeah. sweet ways little kids, you know, were treated or whatever. And then conversely, you laid the hammer, absolutely zero fucks to give about politics, about going after your two horrible senators, uh, McConnell and Paul, uh, in the Commonwealth of Kentucky, your home, yeah. home state. Mm-hmm. So you, you've done it a was, little of both. It's like, the, it's like the, not good cop, yeah. bad cop, but all of that is you and you, and you present all of it in tandem. I think through this whole process over the last, you know, several years, years for me, but also what we've all collectively experienced uh, with the Trump presidency, I was tweeting that, you know, to do some of the media stuff, NBA TV and TNT, and you know, those guys have always been great to me. Oh, and I've always done NBA TV. I've gone back there and filled in forever. Scooter Bertino and, and Tara August. Uh, those guys have always been great to me. So I was doing that. But to do that, you know, these days, people kind of want you to have some sort of social media presence. Well, I stumbled onto the blocker charge thing. I don't know really where it came from. I just saw two dolphins. They ran into a guy. I tweeted blocker charge. And then that kind of, you know, took off. I felt that was easy because there was all kinds of shit I was wanting to say about Trump and all of this, but he'd just been elected. Uh, so I was doing that to kind of keep from uh, talking about this. Blocker. So blocker charge was your avoidance. Yeah, I, re- I swear it really was. And so, and, you know, we went through in two or three years of this, but then the pandemic hit and George Floyd had. And at that point, I just couldn't, I, I couldn't in good faith, you know, bite my tongue about the George Floyd stuff. And um, so I, I wrote an article about, you know, just my experiences uh, growing up and, and just how wrong this whole thing was. And, and that kind of, I, I, I felt like something needed to be said. And, you know, I... I probably, there was probably things that I could have said and well, I should have said when I was an athlete, when I had a big platform and everybody was, you know, there were plenty of things that I thought that I didn't say when I should have. You could have and, been Steve Kerr, Coach Popovich at that time. Well, you know, there's a guy I look at right now, Joe Burrow. Oh, he's great. Uh, he's great. And he picks his spots and he, you know, he, he, doesn't often miss if I don't know that he's missed yet. You no, know, when, when there's a, a moral and a lot of it is less, in my opinion, not so much political left and right. Mm-hmm. It's moral right and wrong. I know that Correct. sounds cliche, but I said I'm that to you. some family members back, you know, when he came down the escalator and talked about Mexican rapists and all that. And, you, you know, some of us saw it a long time ago. I'm not saying I'm so smart, but I pretty well read, pretty studied on it. Mm-hmm. And people I follow, I was being informed by less so mainstream media than independent journalists, uh, I think are doing the better work. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, even today, a lot of people just uh, football's back, you know, it, <laughs> America's regular, you know, it's, no, it's not true. I mean, yes, I those things are happening. I don't know how people don't see it. I don't know. I have these conversations all yeah, the I time. Well, I mean, you and I were around New York a bunch in the eighties. We saw this guy, we saw Trump we, everybody knew who he was and what he was. And, you know, I, I got on the elevator with him. I was on the elephant elevator at the garden. Uh, the Knicks had 
we've just gotten smacked by the uh, the Knicks, the Hornets had, and he got <laughs> Trump and Marla Maples got on the elevator with us, and you've never seen a guy. He he made eye contact with nobody. You know he's the it, it, he's probably rarely the the smallest guy in the elevator. The only person smaller than him was Muggsy, and you know he didn't make eye contact with any of us. It was almost like he was nervous that you know some of the guys might hit on Marla. It was pathetic is was what it was. And that was, you know, I can't, I don't, I don't meet anybody that has different stories than those. I mean, every story you hear about the guy or he was, he was just kind of a, a caricature, you know, well, you could argue it's not just him, you know, yeah, he yeah. is the symptom of a larger problem mm-hmm. and all these people that are, have been covering for him and, you know, how about Lindsey Graham? He was one of his biggest oh. critics. They went golfing that one day, and now he's his biggest defender. Something's up there, maybe. I, you know, it goes on and on. So you have specifically, you know, defended your home state and talked, you know, you talk about the whole country, but but because you're from Kentucky, and it matters even more to have McConnell and Rand Paul, you've been rather outspoken, just trying to shake up your people. How come yeah. you can't get through? Is there, uh, um, yeah, I, <laughs> I ask well, myself I this question yeah. all the time. The same. I, I'm, I'm born in Bowling. I was born in Bowling Green, Kentucky. This is where Rand Paul lives. Um, uh, <laughs> it just, it drives me insane. Uh, I grew up 45 minutes from Bowling Green in Owensboro. Mitch McConnell. I have never, and we could probably go back. I'm sure we could, you can find everything on Google. I, I, I for a long time, I have not held my tongue with Mitch. When I was a junior in high school, he was elected senator. And I'm in the Owensboro, Kentucky. And we're, I'm 16, I guess, 17-ish. And um, they, we get to school and there's an announcement, you know, over the PA that comes on and says, hey, the new senator from, you know, uh, Louisville is is fly, flying from, from Frankfurt, to Owensboro, which is like a 20 minute helicopter flight. And he's flying and going to go out on the, on the uh, football field. And we're going to go out there and greet him to school. This is what we're doing. And so, you know, what am I going to do? Everybody goes out to the football field and we're standing there. The teachers are in the back. There's, you know, 600, 800 students, how many, ever many we have out there. And he lands and his little handler comes off the uh, he has a little guy, some little guy assistant working for him, gets off off of the um, off of the helicopter with a briefcase that has a Confederate bumper sticker on it. Wow. And I I looked around like and Mitch got off the thing and I and nobody, nobody. Now, also driving home from school that day, I might pass four houses that have a Confederate flag on it just so you for the context um but as soon as i saw that i turned around and i walked back inside and i passed the teachers i'm walking straight through the teachers and i said fuck this guy man and i and i got inside i ended up getting three days of detention for cussing and not staying out for um the assembly it was your first but, political protest yeah well it, i i felt i felt very confident about it uh, you know i knew i know what the Confederacy was. I know what that stood for. I know that. I know that history, even if it wasn't taught the way it was supposed to be taught in our schools in Kentucky. 
I knew that because my parents taught me that. So I had no problem uh, disavowing uh, Confederates. And, you know, knowing that this guy, this guy was going to be representing Kentucky, the state of Kentucky. Yeah, I see. I didn't know that at the time. I, you know, had no idea. He was he could have he was Matt Gates or whoever the hell else he was. I'll give you an attendant Mitch McConnell story. Good friend of mine. I've done this before. You come into Louisville derby week and you do a little speech in front of a crowd and kick off derby week and a friend of mine did it one year and gives the speech and he notices mcconnell's in the audience he feels like us and he they go to interview oh the senator's here and shakes in and so on purpose he gave hey i got a horse i think you're really gonna like and he gave him the worst horse he could imagine and i don't know if it was the derby or the preceding race he just always felt good about giving him a <laughs> speaking of you, you talked about when we were in the very serious yeah. Uh, section of this, uh, the temptation of the opioids and all, and, and you said you were gambling too much. Are you able now to still play horses, but do it at a very low level that's more modest? I don't. Or did you I don't. That off? I, it was always hard for me to go to, uh, you know, I, uh, table gambling wasn't really my thing. Blackjack, I played now, I played a ton of blackjack over the years, but I didn't, you know, once I finished playing basketball, I didn't play much blackjack. I, you can, you can spend your money slower betting horses. <laughs> you control it. Yeah. You control. You can only bet so much. You're playing against the pool, and but, you know, the, but you, these days you wouldn't go to a track, or could you go uh, and no, just no. enjoy so the day? I, I've I've gone. I've gone. I'm trying to think. I haven't been to the. No, I take that back. No, I've been. I've been. Uh, you know, of course, I've been. I've been out to. I was with Mark Burge and Doug and those guys. I've been to the track. I don't, I mean, if it's, um, if it's Derby, if it's Breeders' Cup, I might go out, I might place a few bets, but I really had to swear it off because it, it's, I, I like nothing more than uh, reading a racing form. It just, uh, and getting lost in the bloodlines and the, you know, the troubled trips. And I love it. I love it like that. But it's, now I do, I watch TVG regularly. Uh, and it's way better to watch not betting on. Can I tell it's, you? <laughs> I, it got to where it was work, Kenny, and yeah. bad work. I'm a great handicapper. I'm a terrible better. <laughs> can I give you a trip to take if you haven't done it already? And you don't have to bet. You can just uh-huh. go for the – because a, a yeah. lot of people go to track and don't bet. They go for the right. hours and then look at the people and it's, you know, the atmosphere or whatever. Royal Ascot. Oh, I haven't been, Outside but I've London. watched it. Yes, yes, That's yes. the thing. I mean, they have, it's all grass. They have some races with like 34 horses on a straight mile so, run. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's old I, school. I, it's been going on for centuries. It, it's, it's a pretty cool spectacle. I've been in London a couple of times when it was going on and they've had it on TV and it's just, you know, I, I, can, I would love to go sometime. Yeah, we, we went to, uh, my daughter was taking classes in London and we went, this last spring to Paris and London for a little trip to see her oh, wow. see Paris for the first time and got to go out to Longchamp, their beautiful, oh, yeah. similar track. So I grew up with it going to a little place called Long Acres. I saw a guy named Gary Stevens Gary, coming out of yeah. Le Bois out of Boise, Idaho. And he came over to Long Acres, which, you know, his, his we, brother, Scott, is, yeah. uh, he's from out there, right? Yep. I mean, yep. and then he had the Bays family, yep. all the Bays. Oh, so Tyler Russell, I, all of them. I started doing it was about eight haven't stopped. I think I have it under control personally. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it means you don't, 
Just stop it. Just stop it. It's recreation. I don't blow money on other things. I wear no jewelry. I don't buy a fancy car. We take nice vacations once in a while. But you're also not, you're not firing at them. You're not, you're not. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Kenny, I would play, I mean, my, my standard bet for any race and you know once simulcasting came oh my god they could bet 60 races a day my <laughs> standard bet was you know uh 200 across on whatever horse i liked and 20 dollar exact is top and bottom all all 12 all all 12 that's and then that and up. then and then I, i'll i'll probably gonna bet a trifecta and definitely a superfecta and then when the pick sixes came in katie bar the door <laughs> I, I I could go. I'd go out. I would. It's it's insane. Well, but like on a derby day, I would go out. If I couldn't be at the derby, I'd go out and I'd I'd make fifteen thousand dollars worth of bets for the card, and then sit, see what happens. It's probably just as well you still appreciate the sport, but don't bet at that level. I will, <laughs> I will give you that. You've described that well. I'm glad you have found it, and you're still searching for other things. Uh, equal to that and I'm glad you're getting closer to your family in all the ways you described and it was great meeting you. You too buddy. Thank you my main main Kenny main. I'll see you on Twitter. Yes, sir. Hey Maine is a production of me Kenny Main and Odyssey. Our senior producer is Paul Aspen. Our executive producer is Jody Avergan and our executive producer for Odyssey is Lena Glazer. If you like our show, please rate us, leave a review, and don't forget to subscribe. This is your operating system talking, not your computers or your phones, but your internal human operating system. I'm feeling a little overloaded. Here's how you can ease my stress. Close your eyes or softly gaze at something in front of you. Now inhale for four counts, exhale for six. Keep repeating. (sighs) much better. Longer term, there's better help online therapy. They'll match us with a licensed therapist we can connect with via video, phone, or chat. Visit betterhelp.com slash positive and save 10% on our first month. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.